Also known Jeez. as Bumpkin, he is responsible for the for the airgasm. Yeah. Inside, inside, Merry Christmas. That is true for you. I was just complete the two, the shorthand. No, no. Hello and welcome to the Sugar and Dread podcast, first name Sugar. Second name Dread. Yes, 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 yes. It's uh, it's winter season, um, mm. we're out uh, in the breeze, in the cold. Um, this week uh, we've got special guests for you, uh, mm-hmm. Teresa, Lola and Inua Elums. Yeah. Yeah. We got the juice like that, oh. Um, I... <laughs> I apologize. Gabriel, how are you? <laughs> I'm 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 good. It dawned on me that like Christmas is as of when we're recording, um, a little bit over a week away. As of when this drops, as of when you're listening to this, um, Monday gang, it's in a few days. So I'm a bit um I was a bit rattled by that. I was like like joke like played. This year's this year's finished finished. Like it's mad. Yeah, I um I was on Amazon this morning and I was like, I was in my head. Nobody was getting presents because in my head, <laughs> this year hasn't deserved Christmas. What's Christmas, bruv? There's there's no this year hasn't been a normal year. Um, so I'm just like I don't know what to get. I'm really bad with. Am I bad with gifts? Um, I don't know. I just I was just like I don't know what to get you people. Cool. So, um, yeah, so the plan, the vibes, what we will be doing is uh, Teresa and Inua have both got um, top fives for us. They've mm-hmm. both got poems of their own that they'll be reading and poems from someone else that they'll be reading as well. So we are going to get cracking and we're uh-huh. going to go right into it uh, with Teresa's. Hi Gabriel, hi Jeremiah, it's Teresa here. Thank you so much for having me on the Sugar and Dread podcast. I love your podcast, love the way you chat about poetry and dissect it. So it is an honour to be a part of this. Thank you both so much for keeping poetry alive through this time. Um, It means a lot. But before I do get into any poetry, I thought I'll do um, a top five in response to one of the top fives that you did. So this one is in response to episode 36, um, where you um, did a um, top your top five um, cartoons. Um, and it took me back, so I thought that's the one I'd respond to. So my number five is SpongeBob. <laughs> SpongeBob is one of those characters that is quite annoying because he's just excessively optimistic all the time. <laughs> Um, but he's an interesting character. He's dedicated to his job at the fast food restaurant. 
always trying to encourage his neighbor Squidward, who is, you know, the biggest pessimist. And SpongeBob's just a really good guy. Um, even when he fails, he keeps going. I mean, SpongeBob was trying to get his driver's license, but would always panic and so would, would fail. Um, but that side of him just makes him balanced and, and human. Um, number four is Top Cat. So this cartoon show was only one season and it aired in like 1961. But it came on TV when I was quite young, um, came on quite randomly. Um, and even though the colour was grey and faded, I was hooked. So Top Cat is, um, Top Cat is about a cat who is a leader of a gang and him and his gang are always, you know, looking for ways to make a quick buck. Sometimes they do scams as well. I mean, first of all, like, it's a wild concept for a cartoon. Um, but looking back at it now, it did have an interesting social commentary about survival and living. And I think that's what any good cartoon does or, you know, any good piece of work does is that there's always something deeper to offer each time you look back as you get older. And what I found with cartoons in general is, you know, there's always this, you know, wave of, um, always this wave of um, cartoons coming back and um, older people, you know, saying, oh, these are the messages that, the subliminal messages that the, the cartoons were actually trying to tell us. Um, and I tend to find that quite funny, but it just, it does show that, you know, cartoons are not just, you know, something for, for kids. I think we look back and we, we see things in a, in a different way and analyse them in a, in a different way. So I, that's why I really like Top Cat. Number three is Powerpuff Girls. So shout out Gabriel Akame and Jeremiah Brown because we have something similar on our list. But, I mean, like, anyone who has a villain called Mojo Jojo shouldn't really be taking them seriously. Um, but Powerpuff Girls somehow managed to. And the tagline, sugar, spice, and everything nice. I mean, like, if that is the description of your ingredients, there is probably a chance that you will add something wrong. It's, it's very vague of a description. Um... But I love it, and, and I love the female superhero group. Um, yeah, love it. Love Buttercup. Number two is Tom and Jerry. Um, Tom and Jerry, the classic. Um, I love that with Tom and Jerry. Like, we always knew how each episode was going to end with, you know, the cat chasing the mouse. <laughs> but we just kept watching, and, like, you know, it was just quite addictive. Um and it's one of those shows that just makes you curious about what your pets are doing at home. <laughs> but on a deeper level, it's about the, you know, the power of desire, like keep going after what you, what you want and not stopping. And my number one is Phineas and Ferb. Um, first of all, I will confess that I know the songs <laughs> in the show. Um, I don't even know how, just, you just... I wasn't trying to learn them. I just found that I could sing them back, um, which is interesting. But I love the, that the series incorporates music breakouts, sometimes very randomly. But the songs are actually very well written and have a range of... There's a range of genres, so like rock to Broadway-style songs. Um, it's quite unpredictable. But most of all, I do really enjoy the relationship between um, Phineas and his sister Candice. So I have a younger brother and it's quite funny how, you know, Candice is always ready to be report Phineas to um, their mum. 
Um, and so when cartoon shows like Phineas and Ferb or even Dexter's Laboratory do that, um, like show the exaggerated relationship between siblings, um, you know, it's quite funny and it's very relatable and it's it's fun. Um, I also like the villain um, in the show Phineas and Ferb. His name, which I hope I can pronounce, is Dr. Doofenshmirtz. <laughs> um, and he literally has a company called Doofenshmirtz um, Evil Inc. <laughs> Incorporations. Um, but what is most interesting is how the show like takes us back to um, Doofenshmirtz <laughs> abusive and lonely childhood and gives his present actions some some context. So I find it quite um, honest and quite moving for for a cartoon, um, which was yeah, which I guess kind of just connected me to the to the show because it just showed how human all these characters were. It felt quite complex. Yo, that was the top five cartoons from Teresa. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go with Inua. Um, as a as a as a heads up, um, Inua uh closes out his emails with "Please excuse my typos," and I'ma just throw that on his top five a message that he usually signs his emails with. So I'ma I'ma put that on his top five as well. Um, but yeah. <laughs> So let's do it in his top five. So um, my top 10, top 10 cinematic franchises are fifth with five films is um, Die Hard. Yeah, watching Bruce Willis um, kick ass. And, you know, the, I think maybe the second or the third movie had um, Samuel um, L. Jackson in it. Um, yeah, just, God, Bruce Willis. What was his character's name again? Um, John McClane, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> oh my God, and his long-suffering wife. Um, yeah, and, and daughter now. Okay, moving on. Um, number three is, um, I think it's Indiana Jones, you know? Um, I, I, again, I grew up just watching, watching all of those, all of those films, watching Harrison Ford swing through everything with his cowboy hat, with his cowboy hat and his whip. And, you know, some of them haven't aged well. Some of them are overtly racist. This is of this time. But I still enjoyed wanting to be an archaeologist for that period in my life. Um, yeah, Indiana Jones. Number three has to be Star Trek because I'm a little bit of a Trekkie fan. Um, and I really enjoyed um, enjoyed um, the last... Um, yeah, the most recent films. One of the things that I that I really appreciate about it is the link to the other MCU. So um, the guy who plays Captain Kirk in the most recent um, films, um, I'm really bad with names, um, but his the guy who played his father in um, the very first Trekkie reboot film um, um, was the guy who plays Thor in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's all all linked. Um, J.J. Abrahams um, directed the second installment, um, which people say was a critical disappointment, but I I don't know. I liked it. I I just liked all of them. Um, There's a little bit too much lens flair, though, but that's J.J. Abrams' style. Anyway, anyway, 
So um, the guy who plays um, Kirk, um, Chris Pine, um, um, his father is the guy who plays um, Thor. Yeah. Um, second is James Bond. Clocking in at 25 films, 26, I think, when the other one comes out, um, No Time to Die. Um, Bond, I just grew up loving Bond, you know, I mean, like everyone else did. <coughs> Bond. Um, one, Marvel. The Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything in it. And I'm cheating because I'm including Spider-Man in that. Um, even though he's, he's his own, you know, Spider-Man has his own cinematic franchise. But I'm including Spider-Man in the Marvel MCU. Um, and um, because he is also that. I know, yeah, anyway. So Marvel, 13 films. Epic, epic, epic. Brilliance, beauty, all that things. Oh, God. Um, yeah, so those are my top five cinematic um, franchises. Um, Marvel, um, Bond, Star Trek, Indiana Jones, and Die Hard. Um, yeah. Yo, Marvel is... Marvel is... Marvel is that guy, isn't it? Marvel, yeah. Marvel is... Marvel is, is the GOAT. Like, everybody True. knows it. Everybody True. knows the vibes. Everyone knows the vibes. So right about now, uh, we are going to be listening to a poem from Teresa Lola. Mm -hmm. um, Gabriel, yes. talk to us about Teresa, fam. Uh, her first collection is called In Search of Equilibrium, and it's published by Nine Arches Press. Um, buy a copy directly from the press uh, because, you know, support support independent publishing houses. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm just going to read off a bit of her bio because if I start waxing poetic, poetical, we're going to be here for the duration of this podcast still listening to, to, to me, Gas and Teresa. Yes. <laughs> yes. So yeah, so Teresa Lola is a British Nigerian poet born in 1994. She was a joint winner of the 2018 Brunel International African Poetry Prize and was shortlisted Jeez. for the 2017 Bridport Prize. Fam, you know the Jeez. levels of the Bridport Prize, bro? In 2018, she was invited by the mayor of London's office to read at Parliament Square alongside Sadiq Khan and actress Helen McCrory at the unveiling of Millicent Fawcett's statue. There's actually there's actually a really funny photo of um of Teresa and um and uh, Mayor Sadiq Khan standing next to each other, and he's like he's posing with her like one like like one uncle that's bumped into a celebrity on road. It's actually oh <laughs> it's, my gosh, oh my gosh, it's hilarious. I don't know how. I don't please please focus. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, trying to tell the people what Teresa has done, and you're out here saying Sadiq because she was out here posted up with Sadiq Khan looking like an uncle. Come on, no, not she was Come looking on. like an uncle. He was no like Sadiq Khan was looking like an uncle. Don't yeah, but... yeah, no, 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 no. Very clear on that. Very now you got me calling Teresa an uh, uncle. Hey, bro, if you don't hurry up and continue. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> She appeared on B on B she has appeared on BBC Radio 4's Women's Hour and in ASOS magazine with Octavia Collective, among others. Octavia Collective well, just 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 look them up. Just look them up. Uh, Teresa is an alumni of the Barbican Young Poets Program and in, and yeah, in search of equilibrium is her debut. Uh, collection of poems again purchase it the next poem that she is reading um can be found in this collection and uh Dang should it. i give the title uh no nah, she's gonna do that bro 
Great. Um, Fantastic. Then let's sweet. go in. Poems, poems, poems. I'll share a, a, a poem which is from my first collection, um, my first poetry collection, which feels like forever ago, but I have to keep reminding myself that it was 2019, it was last year. Um, and so I'm at this stage now where I'm, you know, sometimes going back to poems and, and reading them and, and, you know, remembering what part of my life I was at the time, which is an interesting, an interesting process because then you rediscover the poems again, but you also rediscover yourself again. Um, and one of the things I've always loved to, to, you know, use as entry points to poems are, um, is music um, and faith and these two interesting things. And this particular poem is titled Lean Back as Instructed by Fat Joe in one of the greatest hip-hop songs of all time. Quite a long title, but um, I was more thinking about the, the power of music and the power of hip-hop and, you know, how in secondary school, you know, hip-hop was something that genuinely carried a spirit and music does carry a spirit, but it was the way it made us feel. It was It was the... The, the, the attitude it gave us and the, the position it allowed us to assume, um, which was something that I thought would be um, interesting to explore. So this is Lean Back as Instructed by Fat Joe in one of the greatest hip-hop songs of all time. You stand in front of the mirror, lean your right shoulder backwards at a 45 degree angle. By the time you return to the mirror, your bones have stretched into hangers draped with gold chains. You wear arrogance like a rented wedding dress. You accessorize it with lyrics you memorize during lunch breaks with no one to tell you to quiet the noise. This is new to you, a joy that makes you feel like you are moonwalking on God's eyelashes. Hip hop is the unofficial national anthem at school. When the students gather, you recite the lyrics to lean back Lean your shoulder at a 45 degree angle and watch them gaze at the perfect arc. Your tongue burning with no lyric left on scrape. Till now, you mem you'd carry the name unidentified female body in the yearbook pictures. You tried scratching out the name, shifted to the busy table at the cafeteria, but forget subtlety. Sometimes you need a kind of confidence you can dangle on your neck like a shark on a hook, an act of pretense to tell others you wear shinier ghosts, shimmy your name in their face. What better instructor to mimic if not hip-hop? You watch as your name gets pinned to a notice board of tongues. Their tongues touch your name like hands reaching for the garment of Jesus. You pose for the new yearbook picture chains dangling on your weak neck this was never you but who wouldn't stretch their body into a flag to avoid being deported back into their shadow <sighs> thank you uh, uh, yeah 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 uh, yeah, uh, yeah. You see, man, man. See, Therese is also one of those poets where, like, you'll read it on the page and your head will be like, wow. But then, yeah, but then you hear in performance and it's just like, 
it's mad it's crazy it's crazy oh my word yeah 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 boy it's mad um yeah <laughs> yeah 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 As, yeah um cool um let's get into um the next poet and mm. that is Inua Ellens. Um, yes. Imagine this guy, I just went on, on his website. This guy has a 25-page CV. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> I'm just like, bro, the accolades are the levels, new. Oy. The accolades are new. Absolutely new. Levels. My word. So I'm going to read off his bio, right? <clears throat> So, um, was born born in Nigeria. Inua Elms is a poet, playwright, perf- and performer, graphic de- graphic artist, and designer. Mad. Um, he is a yeah, fam. He is a complete works al- um, poet alumni and facilitates workshops in creative writing where he explores reoccurring themes in his work: identity, displacement, and destiny in accessible, enjoyable ways for participants of all ages and backgrounds. He's been commissioned by the Royal Shakespeare Company, National Theatre, Tate Modern, Louis Vuitton, BBC Radio, and Television. His two thousand years later. It's enough. It's enough. He's also a fellow of the Royal Society of Literature. It's mad. As a small content warning, uh, there is repeated use of a particular swear word, um, particularly bad swear. Uh, so listener discretion is advised. Um, maybe block hey. the ears of your young ones, in it. Yeah, look at you. Look at you. Look at you being all <laughs> professional and that. Um, perfect. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, Inua, go true. Close. Um, I'm going to read one poem from my most recent collection called The Actual. And it's a series of 55 linked poems. Um, and the book covers a whole range of topics from masculinity to racism to police brutality to um, climate change to um, the legacy of Britain's colonization of Nigeria. Um, the poems are whimsical, funny, tongue-in-cheek, metaphysical. And um, the one I'm going to read from that collection is called Fuck Conferences. Oh, yeah, the full title is The Actual Fuck, and all the poems begin with the word fuck. Um, in terms of the title, the title um, begins fuck something. So some of the titles are um, Fuck Tupac, Fuck Biggie 2, Fuck the Mandela Effect, Fuck Mandela, Fuck Sympathy, etc., all the way down to fuck conferences. Now, this poem is about climate change, and it's after a woman that I met in um, Georgetown University sometime last year called Emily Johnson. And um, this is uh, an adaptation of the conversation we had, the presentation she made, and my attempt to pin down, um, yet yeah, beautify and enlarge in just the gist of the speech she made. Um, This is called Fuck Conferences After Emily Johnson. Have I told you of the oak that grew where we are now? That you can find an aerial shot of the city going back 60 years before it was slashed down for this conference center which would fit within it so wide was its trunk? I was thinking how flimsy my limbs would seem held against its slimmest branch 
I looked up to check its wondrous penumbra of leaves and saw instead the cast iron beams of the ceiling and not the sky I had seen earlier this morning outside when I noticed again how impossible it is to fully grasp such clear and present borderlessness in which a sparrow hawk swooped and above it flew an airplane and though I knew the plane was thousands of feet further up I stood there just in case the hawk needed me to catch my fingers laced into a fleshy ruddy nest my breath trapped my chest clenched my shuddering shuddering heart and I was that sky our bird this tree, these leaves, the building, you and me. Hinua, 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 Elans. Um, mm, mm, mm. There you go. There you go. Um, mm. You hear that? Yeah, fam. That's boy. <laughs> You're such an idiot. <laughs> you big idiot. Um, so now next up we've got Teresa um reading somebody else's work um yes. but before she gets into someone else's work um in search of equilibrium is her latest collection it's out um it's on nine arches press um mm-hmm. you can cop that i'm telling you i don't know if it will come you know in time for christmas but hey that's a good christmas present mm-hmm. or you can buy it as a Christmas present and then because, you know, COVID, just give it later. It works. It's fine. No one's no one's no one's gonna fight you for a late Christmas present anymore. It's okay. Um but yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely go cop that. Follow her um and and keep up with her stuff because she's dope. Um and now we're gonna get into Teresa uh reading a poem by somebody else. Yeah. Poems. Now I'll share a poem by another poet, um, a poet that I really love. Her name is Tiana Clark. She's an American poet. Um, and I really connect with her work for a variety of reasons, which I'll you know, mention after. But this particular poem is titled Black Champagne. Mother shimmers when she sings in the choir. Rowing in the sway of satin robes thick with gospel music. Smooth and forgiving when her mouth spills godly notes and fashion fair-lipped hymns. She towers over the back row of sopranos, tall, a braided palm tree with unfisted fingers held high in praise. But in seconds, her song could pitch in the key of shouting. So guttural like tiny shovels digging up the body's gravel after midnight. When she comes home from her third job to my undone chores and rips the bifold laundry doors off the metal tracks and hurls them at me, yelling, I asked you to do one thing, one thing, like an echo, same as when the Holy Ghost kidnaps the sanctuary, lapid steam from the pews with a slurp, And the music leader starts twitching his hands and head. It's about to rumble through and the building is shaking too as the choir jerks and hollers, bends and snaps back their spines to surging piano glissandos. A stampede of touched men and women buck their silky bodies as the church steams, tropical with tired breath. 
But after the service, mother is crying again, dripping mascara over my face, warm trickle of communion as she spanks the taut tambourine of my young body to beat inside her two-foot clapping. A ballad to purge all that black champagne. Something about dirty dishes in the sink again, about her waxy palms cracking holy thunder beds on my skin. Bruising something I do not know how to name between us, except for the hymn she is humming. I know this song. Tiana Clark is an American poet. The, the poem Black Champagne is from her pamphlet Equilibrium. She tends to use faith and music as entry points, and those are two things I've always been interested in, so I guess that's why I connect with, with her work. But this particular poem, um, Black Champagne, is about a church-going mother who sings in the choir and works three jobs and also has anger issues and is very frustrated with her life and takes out that frustration with her child. This image of the mother contrasts to one of the mother in church. So in church, the poem tells us the mother is rowing in the sway of satin robes and afterwards the mother is in the house shouting in a key as the poem quote so guttural like tiny shovels digging up the body's gravel after midnight the sounds move from s smooth sounds to g guttural sounds um, the speaker in the poem is grappling with their own identity and faith so while observing the mother they are also questioning um, the mother's faith and whether the mother's faith will finally save her from sadness and life of frustration. Um, and in observing the mother's, um, you know, faith and how the mother's faith hasn't come to save her, she's also, the speaker is questioning their relationship with faith and whether they can trust God, whether they, they can also experience freedom at some point in their life also with this same faith. And I think this tells us about, the, the poem tells us about both the mother, but also the speaker of the poem. Um, and I love that Tiana's Clark work, and I love that about Tiana's Clark work because it's very observational while being reflective also. So it's observing the mother, but also reflecting on the ways um, that of what is being observed, how what is being observed has been absorbed by the body, how it's affecting the body affecting the speaker and I love these you know two you know character um these two character um builds happening in some sense of these two character um journeys happening um and that's one of the things I love about this particular poem um yeah black champagne one of my favorite poems and good to share it here Thank you so much, Gabriel and Jeremiah, for having me, and take care. Hey, thank you for coming. Yeah. Um, yo, Black Champagne. Mm. I just, as a title, I feel like to, to, just to, just the title in and of itself is just so nan. Um, yeah. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, we're we're going to slide into... Uh, Inua's poem um, for somebody else and again um, man Inua has 
um, a number, a number, a number of things for you to go and cop. He's got candy coated unicorns and Converse uh-huh. All Stars. Um, After Hours is is another um collection of poems. That's really interesting. I would really recommend After Hours. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got the Half God of Rainfall. Um, uh, yeah, and then on top of that, his new collection, the actual is out 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 as well so go 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 and cop that if you don't you know there's you got too many options with Inua for you to to not own something that he's written yeah. and i haven't even gotten into the plays too tough you know do you know mm. what i mean like yeah. come on get on job um <laughs> so, so yeah so um but yeah that's that's Inua stuff and now Inua is going to read a poem for you by somebody else Mm-hmm. So here's Inua. Poems. So the poem I'm going to read by another poet is one of my favorite. It's it's exceptional. It's beautiful. It's painstakingly detailed, and the way in which it is written, how he uses the the stanzas to to break the poem, is emblematic of how the poem negotiates time and space. Um, This is the poem, The Same City by Terence Hayes. Rain falling on a night in mid-December. I pulled to my father's engine, wondering how long I remember this. His car is dead. He connects jumper cables to his battery, then to mine without looking in at me and the child. Water beads on the windshields, the road sign, his thin blue coat. I'd get out now, prove I could stand with him in the cold, but he told me to stay with the infant. I wrap her in the blanket, staring for what seems like a long time into her open, toothless mouth and wish she was mine. I feed her an orange, soften first in my mouth, chew gently until the juice runs down my fingers as I squeeze into hers. What could any of this matter to another man passing on his way to his family, his radio deafening the sound of water and breathing along all the roads bound to his? But to rescue a soul is as close as anyone comes to God. Think of Noah lifting a small black bird from its nest. Think of Joseph raising a son that wasn't his. Let me begin again. I want to be holy. In rain, I pulled to my father's car with my girlfriend's infant. She was eight weeks pregnant when we met, but we'd make love. We'd make love below stars and shingles while her baby kicked between us. Perhaps a man whose young child bears his face, whose wife waits as he drives home through rain and darkness, perhaps that man would call me a fool. So what? There is one thing I'll remember all my life. It is as small and holy as the mouth of an infant. It is speechless. When his car would not stare, my father climbed in beside us, took the orange from my hand, took the baby in his arms. In 1974, this man met my mother for the first time as I cried or slept in the same city that holds us tonight. If you ever tell my story, say that's the year I was born. Um, the poem is exceptional. It's both 
a recollection and a foretelling. He tells about his father meeting his mother and him being alive, meaning he's another man's child, much in the same way um, he met his wife and she had someone, another man's child. So there's this cyclicality of time and of meaning and of relationship of the past and the present all converging right now in this moment. And they're just these maternal references to water, to primordial water, to breastfeeding and how he holds the fruits to the baby in the passing of juice, of, of wisdom, all cocooned in this wet night in this same city where they're all locked into creation and into um, the paternal lineal, lin lineages. Um, and so the paternal lineage between them, it's just so holy. It is speechless, like he says, his father accepting him and him accepting his daughter. And oh, anyway, yeah, just this poem is just shows Terence Hayes at his finest, where his mind and his masculinity brings all to bear in um, in breaking down and pinning down this moment where utter humanity rises above everything. And it, it's just beautiful. I could teach this poem over and over again. And then the biblical references to Noah lifting a small black bird, Joseph raising a son that was in his, his lifting himself up to these echelons, these, these men that have been sanctified and haloed by the Bible across generation, but he's bringing it to this urban black environment to say, look at the work I'm doing, that we're doing, that has to be done. Um, it's up there with the work of God's. But at the same time, he's begging and he's humbled by his own father doing the same thing to him. You know, it's... It's it's so brave and so naked, but so. Ah, oh, anyway, yeah, this is urban mythology right here. It's it's great. It's a great great poem. The same city by Terence Hayes. Check it out. Check out a a lot of his work again. Like he begins by talking about cars, which are especially. In, in the American conception of itself, cars, the man and the machine are part of America's mythology of itself. So he places black urban stories into America's narrative. And into this, he writes the Bible. He writes his father. He creates myth. And it's all, again, just anyway, anyway, this is layers, 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 layers. Um, yeah, read this poem over and over again, guys. It's the same city by Terence Hayes. Nah. I just Yo. love I just love like the way he spoke about that poem with like you could he was he was you could see he was about to get his lecture on in it. Like it was it was great. Like that's that passion and that love for the thing is infectious. It's great. It's beautiful. 
um and that's and that's the podcast guys um yo this week we brought through Teresa lola and inoa elms they mm-hmm. gave you top fives uh cartoons and cinematic franchises respectively yep. um yes. they each read you a poem from their collections so that's in search of equilibrium and the actual um mm-hmm. Teresa read you uh black champagne by tiana clark and inoa read you the same city by terence hayes um the music that you're listening to in the background is by gabriel p jones follow us on twitter at sugar and dread and the winter season is not over it's not over we ain't finished you know birdman came through and said y'all finished y'all done um we ain't finished we ain't done we got more. We That's got it. more. We got more. We got more coming to you. Um, Still cold. So yeah, time. so keep it locked, people. Yeah. yeah, stay cold. It's cold out here. Streets is cold, so we stay Isn't cold. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. All right. <laughs> All right. Later.